Well, do you love Jesus this morning? Good, 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 good. I'm glad. I'll just be brief and tell you a little bit about who I am, and then we'll jump right in the Bible. I do hope you come back tonight. Uh, I live in Atlanta, Georgia, right outside of Atlanta. I'm married, rolling up on 30 years. I have four daughters. I'm the only dude in the house. That means I now sit down to tinkle. I use the word tinkle there because I have all women. But I have a 26-year-old daughter, a 24-year-old daughter, a 21-year-old daughter, and then, uh uh-oh, we had another one that's 14. And so I have four daughters, lived with all women. I'm brilliant when it comes to estrogen issues. So ladies, if you need makeup advice, hair advice, feel free to come see me and I'll help you. Do a French braid, do your eyelashes, whatever you need. But uh, I'm thankful to be here. And I just want to share with you some things from my heart that I think will help you. Help you as a church, a husband, a wife, a guy, a girl, whatever, teenager, that it hopefully will challenge you, make you think outside the box a little bit. And uh, I, I made a joke the first service because when I saw the screen come up in the first service, I was like, oh, this is going to be weird. And then I read Living a Spirit Life Without Being Weird, and I'm thinking, oh, it's going to be weird. And I don't even know why Josh asked me to come, Pastor Josh, because my kids tell me, they're like, Dad, you're just weird. And so now I'm just, this is a disclaimer. The uh, screen is probably lying today. It may be weird because uh, I'm kind of weird. So, you know, we'll figure it out as we go. But I want to talk to you about the Holy Spirit. And just give you my take on the Holy Spirit and what I've come to know. Here is my upbringing. At age three, my mother and dad, mother who was diehard Methodist. um, My mother and dad were in the Methodist church and the Methodist preacher preached on the Holy Spirit. And the Sunday he preached on the Holy Spirit, this is all coming from my parents because I was three. I do have a brilliant memory. I remember every bit of it like it happened yesterday. And, uh, but according to my parents, my dad got spirit-filled and spoke in a language called tongues, and his whole life changed. Because my dad got so hungry for God, he was a CPA. He owned his own business in our town, and he started getting hungry for God. So back in the 70s, there wasn't YouTube, there wasn't internet, everything was newspapers. So he starts crowsing newspapers to find anything with the word Holy Spirit or Spirit or Holy Ghost. He didn't care. He was just desperate for something more than what he had experienced God. And so he found this small little church, and this will show you how weird it was. The name of the church was Bethel Revival Tabernacle. And so, uh, yeah, it's like, oh, this is going to be weird. There's going to be like demons in there and all kind of weird things going on. And my dad went. And so when he went, uh, his whole life was revolutionized in this little bitty, tiny, small Pentecostal church. So you can imagine going from Methodist to Pentecostal overnight, Uh, wearing of robes, taking of communion to people Uh, not wearing robes, sweating, bobby pins coming out of people's hair, people dancing, people shouting, people jerking. And so he took my mother, which was not a good thing, uh, because my mother was diehard Methodist. I mean, just roots into the bone Methodist. All of her family was Methodist. And you went to the Methodist church because it was the most popular church in the community. And now here's my dad in this backwoods, redneck, Alabama, Pentecostal, fire preaching, I mean, Holy Ghost words, and I mean, shouting and spitting and hollering for Jesus and people dancing and cheering. And and he brought my mother. And my mother's first experience was, don't you ever 
take me <laughs> to that place again. And then the next week, my mother went back. And she got filled with God's power. And so at age three, my whole family moved to this backwoods, redneck, Pentecostal church. And when I say church, I mean they had church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, 17 weeks in a row, over and over and over. Night service went from 7 o'clock at night to 11 to midnight. I mean, it was just, that's what they did. I was three years old. I grew up in that. So I just grew up, that's normal. Like that weird became my normal. And so it was just normal. People running and shouting and jumping and I grew up in that. And I mean, if it was quiet, I thought something was wrong. Like right now, the way I grew up, this would be weird. You're way too quiet. Somebody needs to jump up, shout, run out the door, come back in, running back through, run around about nine times, speaking in tongues. And we're all like, yeah, that was normal, right? Now that I'm 54, I kind of look back and go, oh, that normal was pretty weird. And uh, so when I saw that, living a spirit-filled life without being weird, it, it just kind of took me back. Like it took me back to thinking about all the things I saw. I saw a dead guy get raised from the dead. I saw a deaf ear get opened. I, I mean, I just saw weird things as a kid. But again, because I just kind of grew up in it, it wasn't weird. It was normal. And now what is normal, I look back and go, man, that seems really weird. Like just how do, we, how do we do this thing called Jesus and not be weird? Like are we, that, are we that educated and technologically advanced that we want to do God without being weird? And then I said this first service, and I guess it's a good thought. Like what is weird? Like let's define weird. Like your weird may not be my weird. Like, I put ketchup on my cornbread. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah be to Jesus. I cannot eat ketchup and cornbread have to go together. I mean, they're, oh, hallelujah. And then everybody else is like, dude, you're just weird. Even when I go out to eat with them and I take my cornbread and I mash it up and I pour ketchup, they're like, dude, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, dude, this is just incredible, Right? And then I sit there and I, I look at coffee drinkers. My mother, uh, she drinks coffee at 400 degrees, black with nothing. It looks like tar. And my mother loves the tar. So when I was a little kid, she said to me, I said, Mom, what are you drinking? She said, coffee. I said, can I try some? Oh, sure. And so she handed me the boiling hot coffee with nothing in it, just chocolate brown bean. And I sipped it and I was like, Ah, oh, I just like as a kid, I was like never. So now when I smell coffee, I just I have freak out panic attacks. I, I go back to that, and so my wife, however, and my four daughters love coffee. Like they spend about four thousand dollars a month on coffee, just <laughs> coffee, and they're like, Dad, you ought to try the coffee, pumpkin spice latte coffee. I'm like, I don't want the coffee. I don't like. Oh, Dad, you would love this coffee. I said, honey, that's not coffee. You call it coffee, but it's not coffee. Coffee is just raw, straight, bean, hot, nasty coffee. What you're drinking is not coffee. You have whipped cream, ice cream, sugar, all. You, you look, it's not even coffee. It's weird, right? So weird is very subjective. To the Baptist, the Methodists are weird. To the Methodist, the Catholic are weird. To the Catholic, all of us are weird. 
to the Pentecostal, we're just weird. We just love being weird. We're proud to be weird. The rest of you that aren't weird need to get on board with us. And so when we, when we have a series and say, the Spirit-led life without being weird, I just want to encourage you, it's probably just weird. Like, we're talking about God, and God never makes sense to a human. I, I said this because it kind of made me, I got tickled thinking about Christianity in the first service as it was just kind of coming to me. Here's what we believe. Christianity 101. We believe that a God that we've never seen created the universe that we live on, hung it in the world, spun it around real fast, and we're all sticking to it without flying off. And then he put water all on it, and the water sticks to the ball while it's spinning, but the water doesn't spin off because there's just enough spin to suck the water on it, but not enough spin to kill us, and we're not even flying off. And if you leave Atlanta and fly to Australia, you're upside down on that ball, but when you land, you feel right side up. That's weird. That's just totally weird. And then he went a step further and said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put myself in a human being. I'm going to put myself in a virgin's womb. I'm going to pop myself out. I'm going to grow up. I'm going to become a carpenter. But then I'm going to save the world by hanging on a tree. And they're going to kill me. But I'm going to come back. I'm going to go beat the devil up. I'm going to come back with a bunch of keys. I'm going to take those keys. I'm going to open up hell for everybody. You're free at last, free at last. Then I'm going to disappear on a mountainside, go up into heaven. But I really didn't disappear because I'm coming back in the form of something called the Holy Spirit. But don't worry, he's different than me, but he is me. But we're all together, but we're different, but we're three, but we're one. But don't worry about it, you'll never figure it out. I'm going to send him to help you, so we'll be like an orphan. But I'm going to be up there, but I won't just be up there. I'm going to be down here with you, but not just with you, but living in you and through you. But don't worry about that, because I'm coming back to get you. And I'm going to take you to a house, because I'm building you a mansion. I know here you live in a double-wide trailer, but up there you will live in a mansion. I'm building you the biggest mansion you could ever see. And it's going to blow your mind when you get up there. There's going to be pearly gates. The gates are going to open their streets of gold and it's a city called heaven and it floats out in somewhere because we don't know where we've gone all the way to Pluto so it must be beyond Pluto but it's heaven it's a floating city with streets of gold and then because I'm going to miss you I'm going to come back on a flying horse and blow a trumpet and when I blow the trumpet graves are going to blow up out of the ground and all the dead people are going to suck up in the air and everybody's going to see me coming back and I'm going to be on a flying horse with other thousands of flying horses oh this is awesome this is the most cool thing a guy named Jesus became a carpenter died on a cross went to, went to hell took hell took the keys said to the devil oh I did it to you went up to heaven but left heaven came back from heaven but he's really in heaven but he's also in me, but he's coming back for me on a flying horse in a floating city with gold. And that's not weird. That, that is the weirdest. It's like you had to smoke weed to come up with it. It's like, who came up with this story? Like, that's what we believe. How, oh, Jesus, we, it's easier to believe in Iron Man and Batman than to, than to believe that. Like a, and you, you, you had a Jewish kid and you named him a Mexican name? Jesus? Come on. And then we go, hey, we're having a series today about not being weird. And I'm like, that's impossible. The whole thing is weird. Right? But really what it means is, I think, I don't know, I didn't even talk to Pastor Josh about it. But my take on it as I read that, living a spirit-filled life without being weird. My first thought, that's impossible. And then I thought, well, 
Living a spirit-filled life without being weird is only possible if you never want to get out of the logic of it. And you just want to keep God in a box. And you don't ever want God to break out of the box. And you only want God to be God to the level you can understand God. Yeah, then it's probably not weird. But if I leave my realm of logic and I ask God to invade my earthly realm and show himself strong and powerful in ways that are beyond my knowing, then it might get weird. But if I want God to serve me and become my slave, it won't be weird because I'll just get him to do stuff that I can reason and understand. But if I become his slave, he may ask me to do things that seem weird. So Christianity melds into, I don't want it to be weird, so, but I don't want to go to hell, so therefore I just need Jesus to serve me because if he serves me, it'll never be weird because I'll just get him to do all the stuff I need him to do to answer my prayers, fix my marriage, fix my children, give me a better job, the things I can logically reason. But if I say to that God, you're not my slave, I'm your slave, tell me what would you have me do and I will do it. And he says, are you sure? Because it might get weird. Okay, no, I take that prayer back. I only want to do what makes sense. I am yours. Use me as long as I can understand it. Use me as long as I can reasonably figure it out. I don't mind giving you a buck every week, but don't ask for more than a buck. I cannot reasonably give you more money. I cannot reasonably forgive the person that hurt me. In 1989, my wife was killed by a drunk driver and I, I had a lawsuit in federal court against the guy for $4.5 million. I was going to sue him. I was going to take him for everything he owned and the cleaners. I was mad. I was in my 20s. He killed my wife. And, you know, logic is I'm going to be set for life. I'm going to sue the brother for $4.5 million and, yeah, Hallelujah, he deserves it. And I hope he goes to jail. And I was sitting in a red light in 1990. My wife died in 1989. I was sitting at a red light in the town where my wife and I lived. And I heard the Lord say this, you're not going to sue him, you're going to forgive him and let him go. And I'm like, I rebuke you, devil. Get thee behind me, Satan. I'm going to take the brother to the cleaners. He's reaping what he sowed. And I heard a voice that I, I, I assume was God. Let him go and forgive him. And so I called my lawyer and I said, look, this may sound weird, but I don't want to sue him. I just want to drop the case and let him go. He doesn't know me anything. Well, you see, for my lawyer who's about to cash in on $4.5 million, my request was weird. He even said, we have it a sure case, Mark. You're in federal court. We've got the judge that we need, the judge that we requested we got. You're going to win. And so for him, my decision was weird. But to me, it felt normal because God was requesting it of me. And yes, it was weird, but the weirdness I was about to step into was going to bring me freedom. 
Because the one thing we must know about our Heavenly Father is when He requests something weird of me that doesn't fit with my logic and fit with my reasoning and fit with my understanding, His end result is freedom and life. And if you'll just step into it and go, man, this is weird. I'm going to have to let the guy go. I'm going to have to not sue him. That's weird. I know, God, I've already spent the money. I already have bought homes with it and cars with it and trucks and a guitar store because I'm addicted to guitars. I still am. Help me, Jesus. And God, and God says, no, you're not getting any money from him. You're going to trust me. I'll just tell you something. That's not a fun way to live. Trusting God. I would rather God help me and trust me. Work with me, God. Here, If you'll work with me, me and you can go places. And so as I saw this, I just really felt to encourage you today, at what level are you willing to be weird for God to move? And I'm not talking about weird like laying on the floor and gold dust starts coming out of your eyeballs and you're barking like a dog and clucking like a chicken. I'm not talking about smoking weed weird. I'm just talking about weird in the sense that God sometimes goes beyond logic and reason to accomplish His purposes. And are you willing for that? Are you willing to say, God, man, you, sh-, you know, go beyond what I can think and what I can imagine. That's Ephesians 3.20. I will go beyond what you can think and what you can imagine. Well, what that means is I'll go outside of logic and reason. I'll go beyond what Google statistics say. I will go beyond what your own head tells you. Mark, if you'll give me half a chance, I will blow your mind with my power. But I'm going to tell you the first step is going to feel really weird because it's not going to make sense to you. It's not going to be logical because I designed it from creation to be that way. So will you trust me? Yes, God, I'll trust you. So let's gather and pray. Heavenly Father, would you blow this place away today? Would you show yourself strong? Would you show yourself mighty? Would you come and lead church today and come into Believer's Church today and work your power and work your magic? And then when my prayer is over, that's as supernatural as I ever got. Because I don't want to give God space to do the weird. I don't want to get out of my logic, out of my schedule, out of my timing, out of what I figured out about Him to let Him be God. But the reality of God is it's just weird. Luke chapter 2, turn there. Everything we know about God from a human perspective is just weird. Creation, uh, Noah and the ark is weird. The whole story's weird. Daniel in the lion's den, Shadrach, Meshach, and a billy goat, and they're weird. I mean, just the whole, it's just weird. Ezekiel laying nude for about a year on his side, that's weird. A talking donkey, that's weird. Uh, Elijah calling down fire from heaven, bears eating a guy because they called him bald head, so he sent a bear out of the woods to eat people. I mean, that's just, if you read it, it's really cool. Like the land opens up and swallows a whole family of people because they disobeyed God. People got hemorrhoids in the Old Testament. That's weird. I mean, you just read it. It's like, it's, gosh, man, weird. I mean, it, it does make sense that David slept with Bathsheba. That's not weird. That's normal. But most of the Bible is just weird. And then we come to 2019 and we go, yeah, but we don't want to be weird anymore. So what I'm saying is, I don't mind the Bible being weird. I don't mind the Bible having talking donkeys and 
fish that eat people and then vomit them up and then wind storms of fire and hell and brim. I like it. It's the Bible. Ooh, it's just weird and it ministers to me in my devotion. But then I take that weirdness of, of the scripture that is the mind and will of God and I apply it to my life and go, however, God, I would appreciate it if you would do nothing weird with me. Don't ask me to love people that hurt me. Don't ask me to forgive people that have done me dirty. Don't ask me to give outside of what I can afford. Don't ask me to take a step of faith that's going to require me to look like an idiot. Don't ask me to pray for the person sitting next to me because that really bothers me. I'm just kind of introverted. I don't want to get out of my sweet, happy spot. Don't, you know, God, just here's what I need you to do, God. I need you to just work your magic, but within a realm that I can understand it. And God's like, okay, cool. I'll come back later when you're ready. You're still not ready. You're still immature. Now really ponder that for a moment. Everything in the Bible we read is weird. That's why we call it VBS. And we teach our children about all these stories. You could be like Daniel in the lion's den. I'm like, no, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be potentially eaten by a lion. But then when it comes to me personally, I don't mind teaching my children about Daniel in the lion's den, but I sure hope God doesn't ask me to lay hands on the person behind the cash register who's sneezing with a fever because that's awkward. But I feel good about myself because I pray for revival. So, oh God, bring revival. And I had a guy ask me not long ago, he said, why do you think we don't see revival? I said, because it's simple. We don't see revival because nobody can get beyond the logical to see the supernatural. But the logical is I feel better praying about revival to come, but I, please don't use me for it. Because if revival comes, I got to stay late, get up early, go to church, come back to church, go here. My whole life, I got to go to soccer, cheer, gym, do homework, do calculus. I got a daughter in nursing school, a daughter in midwifery school, a daughter in cheer. There's no way revival could come. If revival comes, I can't even attend. I'm too booked up. I got four kids. You got, I got a parent-teacher meeting. God can't move. As a matter of fact, he needs to hurry up. I got lunch. So all of a sudden, what we're really saying is we want revival, but we want it in a way it fits my schedule and my reasoning. I want God to move and lead church, but he really needs to do it in the, at this time frame we've given him. And so it really does bother us as humans, if we're all honest. It is bothersome for God to do it because it starts confronting all of my insecurities. Luke chapter 2 we show up with a very weird moment. And here's how it's weird. The God of the universe decides to use a 15-year-old girl. Oh, Jesus. Who in their right mind, if you study history, uh, Mary was about 15 years old. Who in their right mind would choose a 15-year-old to raise God. Any parent in here? Good. You're honest. I've raised 15-year-old girls. I would not even trust my Labrador with them. <laughs> Much less God. Honey, I want you to just keep God. At 15 years old, you're raising God. 
I can't even get you to pick your bra off the bathroom floor. You're crying over a dude named Sam and you're going to raise God? That's weird. And yet God thought, I got a great idea. And and they're up in heaven. Hey, what's your great idea, Dad? Okay, here it is. I'm going to take the son right here. And he's like, me? It's my time? Yep, it's just about your time. Oh, this is cool. I can't wait to get down there and do this, Dad. I've been waiting on this. I just can't wait. Hey, how are we going to do it? Okay, get everybody together. All right, here's the plan. Okay, tell us, Dad. All right, Gabriel. I need you to go down to earth. Oh, I love doing this. This is my favorite job. Okay, you see the little girl down there? Yeah, the little girl. No, not that one, the other one, the little 15-year-old. Oh, I see her. Oh, she's kind of cute. Okay, that girl right there, I need you to go down there and tell her she's going to be pregnant. Oh, great. Joseph is going to be a daddy. No, 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 no. You're, you're thinking logical here. You're thinking on angel logic. You got to go tell her that if she's going to have a baby, oh, but I'm going to be the daddy. What? You're the dad. How could you be the dad? Just go tell her she's going to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. He's like, okay, that's weird, but I'll do it. And so he goes down and tells a 15-year-old, hey, you're going to be pregnant. Oh, cool, but I'm not even married yet. I'm only engaged to my husband. Okay. And I can just imagine Gabriel's like, are you sure? Like, this is going to go down right. And then I'm sure the son, the word, who's going to become flesh is like, okay, I can't wait to just pop down there at 30-year-olds and do my ministry. And he's like, no, look, you're going to leave this beautiful thing called heaven and I'm going to put you in the womb of a girl and you're just going to sit in there in complete darkness for nine months. Aw. And then you're going to have to grow up. Aw, I don't want to grow up. I want to go on down there and be an adult like I am now. Right? I mean, how weird. The whole thing is just weird. We call it Christmas and Easter, but it's just weird. (laughs) It's just, And so Gabriel comes down to a 15-year-old girl, says you're going to be pregnant. And then when she says she's going to be pregnant, here's logic. In that culture, for a girl to be pregnant without a man, you're going to be stoned and put to death. So as we get ready to read the story, just know the moment the angel comes and says, you're going to be pregnant and realizes it's not with the man that I'm going to be married to in that culture. If you were found to have had sex or be pregnant before marriage, they picked you up. They took you outside the city and the men of the city stoned you to death. Don't you love that law? Sleep around, we kill you. So now the angel comes down to the 15-year-old who potentially is going to be put to death if she says yes and lose her husband. Because the moment she has to go back and say, Joseph, (laughs) I'm pregnant. And he's like, what in God's name are you talking about? Pregnant? How could you be pregnant? I thought you were going to be married to me. I can't believe you stupid woman. How could you cheat on me and go against me? So he does what any husband would do. I'm done with you. And I'm going to go divorce you. So now we've got a potential girl going to be killed, which is weird, who's 15, which is weirder, who's never had sex, which is weirder, married to a potential fiancé who's going to leave her, which God is going to bust their marriage up to do something supernatural. And that is where Christianity started. So let's read the story. 
Don't you love it? In the sixth month of Elizabeth, verse 26 of Luke 2. In the sixth month, oh, I'm sorry, Luke 2. I mean verse chapter 1, Luke 1. So I may have messed up and told them Luke 2 in the back. It's Luke 1, verse 26. So I'll give you time to get there. Luke 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, reason and logic. Mary tried to think of what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, supernatural, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him a throne of his ancestor David, and he'll reign over Israel forever, and his kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, logic, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the baby to be born with you will be holy." And he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age, and people used to say she was barren, but she's conceived a son and is now in her sixth month, for the word of God will never fail. The 15-year-old Mary responded, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. And the angel left her. Here's my take, and I want to leave you with this thought today. Maybe now I know why God picked a 15-year-old. They're just dumb enough to believe it. They're just dumb enough to believe it. Because had he come to a 30-year-old woman, she would have analyzed it to the T. Oh, I don't have anything that's going to fit if I get pregnant. I wasn't planning on being pregnant. I had my honeymoon dress all picked out, and we were going on our honeymoon, and now if I'm pregnant on my honeymoon... and. He just went to a 15-year-old. Maybe this is why Jesus said that to enter the kingdom, you must have the faith of a child. Maybe the reason we really don't see God move today is we've lost childlike faith and we've entered into adult reasoning and we want God to explain everything and fix everything and understand everything and logically reason everything out to the nth degree before I would ever remotely even say, sure, just whatever you want to do, do it. Because that's just too weird. And yet Mary's response to, they're probably going to kill you. You're probably going to lose your husband. You're going to have the son of the most high God in the womb of being a virgin. And she goes, okay, yeah, sure. Be it unto me. I'm so happy about this. And in that saying yes to the weirdness, you are sitting here today serving the Son of the Most High God because a young girl was willing to experience the weird so that the life of Jesus could come to people she didn't even know. And yet today, I don't want to experience anything weird and I keep the life of God in a back room and I just want to experience God on a level I can understand while the world is dying to know the life of God. They're dying to know the supernatural power of God. He can get you out of an addiction. He can heal you. He can change your life. He can heal your marriage. He can do just the craziest of the crazy. But would you just get off Google and WebMD long enough to say, okay, God, 
I've prayed the prayers, but they didn't work. I've asked you to fix it, but you didn't do it. But right now, just like Mary, be it unto me, God, whatever you want to do, have your way. If it feels weird, I'll do it. You want me to give 10,000, I'll do it. You want me to forgive somebody that killed my wife, I'll do it. You want me to let my ex go and quit being bitter, I'll do it. You want me to pray for the person at Walmart, I'll do it. God, you want me to be bold in my faith at school, I'll do it. What do you want me to do, God? I will do it. Even if it feels weird, I will do it. That is where we have to get to to see the power of God. I have to get to a place that it comes out of my comfort zone. It comes, it's just not comfortable because the moment God says, I want to use you, I immediately get, oh, panicky. Like, oh, what if, what if, oh no. And so it becomes hard. It's just a lot easier to say, let's have the Holy Spirit without being weird. Yeah, okay, but. It's just going to be because he does miracles and power and and the logic that comes. And I'll I'll just say the beauty of it is when you're really talking God's weird, not human weird, God's weird, it always brings life. Always brings life. But I have to be willing to at least let God be God. When I was on the plane coming here praying for you, I've never met you, I didn't know. I'm like, God, please just speak. Give me something to say. And the Lord gave me this on seat 41A of Delta Airlines flying into Austin. He said, I want you to go and tell them to relax and let God be God. Relax and let God be God. Are you nervous about something today? Are you ticked off? Are you anxious? Are you having panic attacks? Are you facing something right now as you look at it and you're facing something and you're stressed over it and it's just like, Lord, oh, you're not at rest at all. You've prayed prayers that don't work. You've you've asked God to do things for you, but he didn't jump to your command and now you're like, I don't know. I mean, maybe he's not as big as he says he is. Maybe my faith's weak. Maybe I didn't pray enough. Maybe I didn't fast enough. Maybe, oh God. And we just get, as a human, we get so illogically locked into logic just that we can't even take a step into the supernatural. We can't just step and say, God, man, move. Have your way. I was praying I want to show you how this works practically. Father, would you help me with your Holy Spirit? Would you give me, because when when Mary said, how is this going to happen? And he said, oh, it's the Holy Spirit. I love that Pastor Josh is starting a series about the Holy Spirit because this is literally where Mary is. This is literally the birth of Christianity. How is this illogical thing going to happen? Oh, the Holy Spirit will come on you, Mary. And years ago, in 1983, I started studying about the Holy Spirit. I was so desperate to know what's real, what's not, what's fake, what's religion, what's crazy, what's of God, what's of humans. And over the last 40 years, it's just been digging it out and digging it out and digging it out and digging it out of, God, what's real? And here's what undeniably I've come to. There is no denying that God wants to use His Holy Spirit to change a nation, change a family, and change a heart. And in using His Holy Spirit, it doesn't always fit the logic of the moment. And using the Holy Spirit, it requires me to say, okay, then just have your way. Do what you do. My marriage was going through a really hard time in 2010. 
we were 20 plus years in and, and I was just having a meltdown of sorts. Like I, I wouldn't call it like a midlife crisis, been there, done that one, but it was more like just a demonic kind of dark, I mean, just darkness, just, I was having suicidal thoughts. I, I suddenly, you know, wasn't liking my wife anymore. I was critical about everything. I was critical about our marriage, critical about the church I pastored, just negative about everything. And, and I was praying, I was like, God, Holy Spirit, would you show me what's going on? Show me, would you heal my marriage? Would you heal me? And this is exactly what I heard in my heart. Mark, how can I heal your marriage when you're so negative? Wait a minute, you're God. You could do anything. Mark, how can I heal it when you're so negative? And in April of 2011, I made a prayer to God eight years ago. God, I will never be negative again about anything. Everything my eyeballs see, I'm gonna be positive about it. I called my wife, I said, honey, I'm so sorry. I'm repenting to you, I'm letting you know I've been negative, everything. I've been negative about you, negative about us, negative about money, negative about the future, negative about the children. Negativity to say, I'm letting you know the Holy Spirit is revealed to me. You see, that's his life. But logic would say, oh, it's not me. Oh, it's not my negativity. It's her, it's money, it's this. I don't make enough. It's that, it's this is the problem, that. And the Holy Spirit said, no, Mark. I went into the room of my daughter, my second daughter, Years ago, she wasn't living right, and you know she was making some bad choices. And I, I went into her room and I said, "Honey, I need to ask you something." And she said, "What is it, Dad?" I said, "Well, I'm just going to be honest with you. I said I'm not mad at you or anything, but I'm just going to ask you one question, and I just want you to answer yes or no. That's all I need. And whatever it is, I'll leave." She goes, "Okay, great." I said, "Are you lying about this and this and this?" And she goes, "No, of course not." I said, "Good. That's all I wanted to know." And I walked out of her bedroom and I walked back into where mom was and she said, well, what'd she say? I said, oh, she said, no. She said, she's lying. I said, yeah, I know. She said, well, why didn't you tell her? I said, well, the Lord told me just to ask her and not do anything else and just leave her with him. I know she was lying, I'm sure. I mean, I know all the details, but I said, I felt like the Holy Spirit just said, let me help you, Mark. I know what's going on and you don't. And I said, so I just kind of shut the door and quietly said, okay, Holy Spirit, she's yours, have your way. And about four minutes later, my daughter with the biggest alligator tears I've ever seen in my life comes busting out of her room, sobbing. I lied. God spoke to me that I lied to you all and I'm so sorry I lied. And in a moment time, God freed her up. God delivered her. Not because I threatened to take her phone, not because I threatened to ground her, not because I screamed at her and told her, I know you're lying anyway, but because the father simply took illogical, which logic should have been ground her, take her phone, take her iPad, lock her in her room until she repents and understands how sorry of a girl she is. That's logic. But illogical was Mark, back off and let me work with your daughter. I'm gonna do what you can't do. And less than 10 minutes later, she's on the floor sobbing to her mother, I've lied. She got free that night. That's what I mean by sometimes the thing the Holy Spirit asks us to do is outside what we're so comfortable doing. Would you bow your heads? Maybe that's you. Maybe as a parent, you're trying to parent logically. I'm arguing my kids all the time. I'm grounding them constantly. We're screaming and fighting all the time. 
I've Googled every article I can Google about rebellious children. Well, maybe it's time you just go like Mary. Holy Spirit, would you help me? Because the moment you say help, you release the power of the Holy Spirit because he's a helper. And he comes to help. Maybe your marriage is, you're at rock bottom, you're like me, you've prayed, you've asked, you don't know what's going on, you're on the brink of divorce. Maybe y'all hadn't been intimate in forever. Maybe you're just holding on for dear life, you're bitter, you're hurt. Maybe something has happened in your past and you're still holding on to it. And logic says, keep holding on to it. Don't ever be done wrong again. Don't ever let that happen to you again. Guard yourself, guard your emotions. You've put up walls all around you. And the Holy Spirit's knocking today saying, hey, would you let me help you? I can free you up from the anxiety you're going through, from the nervousness and the fear. If you would just say yes to me. And the weirdness is you're going to go to bed tonight and not be so stressed out and panicky anymore. Not just kind of, well, it is what it is. I've just learned to live with it. And maybe you've been praying for a miracle, but you're not seeing a miracle. You keep praying over and over, God, please, 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 and it's not happening. And so therefore logic kicks in. You're not spiritual enough. You're not praying hard enough. You don't know enough Bible. You've sinned. God's punishing you. All the logic kicks in of why God wouldn't answer your prayer. And now you feel religiously guilty and like a failure. And all of your prayers have failed because you're not spiritual enough. That's logic. That's mere man's logic. Would you just back off today and simply say, God, I'm praying the prayers I know to pray. Nothing's working. Would you help me? And the moment you say, would you help me? You release the power of the Holy Spirit and he will come in. He will give you dreams, the Bible says. He will speak to your heart. He will give you the way to go. Maybe he'll speak something very clear like stop being negative. Maybe he'll tell you something like, hey, forgive that person. Maybe he'll tell you just walk away and let me deal with this right now. Maybe he'll tell you stop putting walls up. Stop treating your wife that way. Stop talking to your husband that way. Maybe he'll tell you pray for the person you work with. Maybe he'll tell you whatever he tells you may feel illogical, but if you will obey it and you will get out of logic and reason and you'll just step over into the supernatural and say heavenly father i trust you i don't know how it's going to work but i trust you holy spirit i don't know how a virgin could be pregnant but i trust you holy spirit they're probably going to stone me but i trust you holy spirit joseph is probably going to divorce me but i trust you could you come to that place today as a human being to go i don't know if i can figure it out i don't know if i can fix my marriage I don't know if I can get over these attacks and these addictions, but Holy Spirit, be it unto me according to your power. And if it has to get weird, then let it get weird. And God, bring me out of this place that I'm in of trusting me and my own resources, my own education, my own smarts, my own understanding. And Holy Spirit, would you work in a way that's outside of my reasoning and have your way and let your will be done in my life. That's what I pray for you today. And that is how you can relax and let God be God. Because you trust Him that He can do the supernatural even though it feels weird. Trust Him and watch what He'll do. You're here today because a little girl trusted the weirdness and you're enjoying the fruit of her trust today. Would you dare trust the Holy Spirit 
And it may feel weird, but your kids are going to benefit from it. Your grandkids are going to benefit from it. You're going to find life on every corner in Jesus' precious name. Now, as Pastor Josh gets ready to come, I want you to just keep your eyes closed and put your hand over your heart. And I want to lead you in a prayer this morning. Pray this after me. Heavenly Father, I've lived in my logic and my own reasoning. But today, I invite you, Holy Spirit, into my heart. And it may feel weird to me, but I will trust you and I will obey you. Work through me supernaturally. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you. I bless you.